0: Hi, neighbors. In Monday night's town board meeting, we approved the 2021 budget and passed an ordinance to require inclusionary housing for all new residential development. Ready to find out more on what happened? As usual, you may click through to my blog to read this post in written form, subscribe to the Lore for Superior podcast, or keep watching this video. First, our board unanimously passed the consent agenda, including meeting minutes and the town manager's employment agreement. Item 3D, a potential right-of-way agreement for the 88th Street improvement project, was pulled for discussion. The Thomas family clad parcel would need to be acquired to create the 108-foot right-of-way needed for the 10-foot wide multi-use trail on the east side and the future potential to turn this into a four-lane road. The negotiated value of this parcel is $280,000, a price some board members express concerns about. We discussed whether it made sense to do this now if we didn't have near-term plans to turn 88th Street into a four-lane road. However, we've already built the multi-use trail on the east side, so voting this down would likely require us to tear out that work if we couldn't come to an agreement on the town's acquisition of this right-of-way. The vote was split down the middle, with Mayor Pro Tem Mark Laces and trustees Kevin Ryan and Ken Lish voting no on the purchase. The town manager will go back to the current property owners for continued negotiation. Item 3E, consideration of an extension to complete the public improvements associated with FDP 3 Block 25 Phase 2, was also pulled for discussion. The Town Superior developer, RC Superior, requested an extension from December 31, 2020 to September 30, 2021. This extension would primarily accommodate the completion of landscaping on the northern half of Block 25. It passed unanimously. Finally, Item 3F, a conservation easement for the former CenturyLink property, was also pulled for discussion. The primary reason for pulling it seemed to be for each person to express thanks to Boulder and Jefferson counties for their contributions. In the interest of time, I didn't speak up in the meeting, but I am very grateful for this contribution. I absolutely love this land, as evidenced by it being my Zoom background for our video calls, and I run its trails frequently. Item 4, the 2021 budget. Our budget is one of our most important tools to set and communicate town policies, goals, and priorities. It totals $51.5 million across four different budgets. The Town of Superior at $26.1 million, the Superior McCaslin Interchange at $1.3 million, the Superior Urban Renewal at $11.8 million, and Superior Metro District 1 at $12.2 million. The draft version of this budget was published on August 14th, and discussed by the board in virtual meetings on September 10th and 21st. Finance Director Paul Nillas summarized the budget in light of our board goals, with highlights as follows. First, enhance financial stability and business retention. Continue to decrease the property tax charged versus assessed, and continue funding for economic development, including creating a new full-time role for an economic development manager. Our second goal, provide excellent public services and public infrastructure. Prioritize the maintenance of existing assets like street maintenance, Purple Park playground updates, park furniture replacement, landscaping enhancements, tennis court light replacement, and also utility system capital maintenance but also prepare to open Superior's new community center at 1500 Colton Road and fund new projects like building a new trail extension from Avista Hospital to Flatiron Crossing Drive, extending Promenade Drive to 88th Street, undergrounding the main power lines in Original Town, and building two new parks in downtown Superior. Our third board goal, engage residents through outreach and engagement. For this one, we'll continue existing outreach. Fourth, strategically manage and enhance open space parks and trails. See the above for parks, but also continue open space maintenance and education while working on potential future acquisitions. Fifth, promote and maintain manage development opportunities. Revitalize and infill the superior marketplace and hire a new full-time economic development manager. And finally, support environmental sustainability. And for that one, we'll be hiring a new full-time sustainability analyst. We considered reducing landscape maintenance fee and sewer fees for 2021, where they were originally slated to go up 3% and 5% respectively. I was in favor of keeping these constant since reducing them in 2021 would require us to then raise them higher in subsequent years to make up the shortfall. Knowing that most residents don't look into the details of their taxes and fees, I think it's better to keep the increases steady. That way people won't get surprised by a much larger increase next year. The rest of the board agreed, and we made this change to what we reviewed. We had some discussion about the $30,000 in the budget to give to the Superior Chamber of Commerce. A member of the board suggested that we break up the $30,000 into two line items, one for the chamber's general use and one for economic development. I was really unsupportive of this last minute change, particularly given that we've already discussed the chamber grant at length and had already come to agreement. As far as why I didn't wanna do this, There's a national trend in giving philanthropically without micromanaging how organizations can use the funds. You can click through to my blog to check out a fascinating article profiling Mackenzie Scott and how she's rewriting the philanthropy playbook. While this budget item is not philanthropic, I believe the Superior Chamber does great work fostering our local businesses, and I want their leadership to be free to administer their budget as they see fit. The town and the Superior Chamber of Commerce have a long-term partnership built on mutual trust, And, particularly in a year where many plans will likely need to pivot, I'd rather give the Chamber some latitude, which I have full confidence they won't abuse, particularly as we know they intend to come to the town for a grant again next year. In the end, we agreed to divide the Chamber grant into separate line items on our budget sheet for historical record-keeping, but not put any requirements on the disbursement of the funds. Our next line item to discuss was the budget for the Cultural Arts and Public Spaces, or CAPS Committee. The initial budget for CAPS was set at $150,000, but it was reduced in our preliminary budget meetings down to $50,000, without CAPS getting to discuss this at a committee meeting and provide feedback. After some discussion about where we could possibly find additional funds, including outside grants, we decided to leave the town-funded budget at $50,000, solicit grants to cover another $50,000, and potentially be flexible to look for more dollars if needed. Next, our budget included a line item for undergrounding the main power lines in original town. With the town funding the undergrounding of the main lines, it would then be up to residents to bear the cost of connecting the final stretches of lines from their homes to the main lines. We discussed how to maximize Excel Energy's commitment to pay for more of this if we spread it out over time, rather than do it all immediately, and ultimately directed town staff to see if the town can pay for it upfront, but still get reimbursed from Excel in later years. We also agreed to allocate $20,000 for homeowner outreach. Finally, we discussed the additional 4.197 mils that we are authorized to collect in annual property taxes without going to the voters for permission. We last discussed this at our June 2020 board retreat. As a reminder, we're authorized to collect up to 12.127 mills, but we only currently collect 7.93 mils. One mill is about $36 per $500,000 home, which becomes $250,000 when collected from the whole town. However, given several infrastructure areas where we currently are experiencing a long-range budgetary shortfall, a member of the board suggested we may want to start collecting the full amount. We ultimately decided to wait until after the election to make any decisions on collecting the full allowable mill levy. When it came time to vote on the town of superior 2021 budget the first resolution levying general and library services property taxes for 21 passed five to one with trustee ken lish as the dissenting vote the second resolution approving the 2021 town of superior budget of 26.1 million dollars passed four to two with trustees kevin ryan and neil shaw as the dissenting votes the third resolution approving the 2021 Town of Superior fee schedule, including a 3% increase in landscaping fees, passed 5 to 1, with trustee Neil Shaw as the dissenting vote. The ordinance appropriating sums of money pursuant to the 2021 Town of Superior budget passed 4 to 2, with trustees Kevin Ryan and Neil Shaw as the dissenting votes. Finally, we passed an ordinance modifying the Superior Municipal Code to remove landscape maintenance fees from the municipal code and include those fees in the government fee schedule by a vote of five to one, with Trustee Shah as the dissenting vote. Next, we unanimously passed the Superior McCaslin Interchange Metropolitan District budget, the Superior Urban Renewal Authority budget. We voted five to one to approve the Superior Metropolitan District Number One budget by with Trustee Neil shaw as the dissenting vote. Finally, by a vote of 5 to 1, we passed a resolution amending the SMD1's service charge schedule, including a 5% increase in sewer fees, with Trustee Neil shaw as the dissenting vote. Our final item was considering an ordinance to add a requirement for affordable housing to be included as part of all new residential development in Superior. We last discussed this at our September 14th meeting, and I would encourage you to read my comments on that meeting before proceeding. I support affordable housing, and also am in favor of mixing deed-restricted housing units into non-deed-restricted housing developments, rather than segregating them and potentially creating blighted parts of town. However, I see the provision of deed-restricted units to essentially be a tax on developers, and I understand that developers see it that way too, and are indifferent as to whether they pay a fee Or provide deed restricted units so this ordinance essentially creates a limited pool of resources for us to provide inclusionary housing and i want to see our finite resources used in the best way possible because of the requirement in this ordinance that the deed restricted units be comparable in design size and appearance to non-deed restricted units we're only going to be able to provide a few families with affordable homes in contrast if we remove the requirement for the deed restricted units to be comparable we could potentially create many more affordable units with the same developer investment. Alternately, if we shifted from requiring deed restrictions on certain units to instead collecting an affordable housing fee as Lafayette has done, or allowing for land donations or cash in lieu as Longmont and Boulder have done, it would be another way to provide many more families with affordable homes, rather than putting qualifying families into luxury homes not designed for that purpose. The ordinance passed 4-2, with trustee Ken Lish and myself as the dissenting votes. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this recap. I really hope it's helpful. Our board is always open to hearing your comments, questions, and concerns. You may always email your feedback to townboard at superiorcolorado.gov, or to me specifically, at lauras at superiorcolorado.gov. As a reminder, any messages sent to a government email are part of the public record and will have your name attached. If you feel the need to write in anonymously, you may always comment at the bottom of my blog post recaps. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.